0: This is an Alien Vex podcast special event.
1: The next thing you know, within the space of two months, this lump grew to the size of a baseball. So it was about whoa, ten point two centimeters. You in had diameter. a tumor the size of a baseball on your neck. He came out. He took breath. We heard him cry, and we got to meet him. Take a moment, mate.
0: I can't imagine what that was like. My guest today has been a lot of things in a very short time. An accomplished actor, athlete, uh, head trainer for a major organization, cancer survivor, and that's not even the beginning. Uh, A hell of an inspirational bloke. He is the brains behind the insane workouts we did that produced amazing results for our six dads in the CFM Jets dad bod squad. He is Bart Walsh. Welcome.
1: Mate, thank you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you,
0: thank you, thank you, thank you. No pictures, no pictures. He hasn't had his makeup done. It's quite a resume for a thirty-year-old man. It is. I
1: don't know. I've I've always had the the ethos of I'd like to try a lot of things, and if I'm not really really good at a lot of things, at least I can be mediocre at a lot of things. And Jack a, of all trades. Yeah, something like that. Master of none.
0: Yes. Something I should tell you guys after having had Bart as my PT. Three, four times a week for the last eight weeks is he doesn't handle praise or compliments terribly well, which is unique for a personal trainer. And given that the I guess the theme behind this chat is I wanted you to tell your inspirational story, yeah. it will make for some awkward moments. So, of course, potentially grab the tissues on this one here in Queensland
1: now. But it didn't start here, did it? Uh, you're a Wang boy. I am. Um, we should I... explain to people what that means. Yes, it's short for a town called Wangaratta. Yes. Which is in northeast Victoria. But mm-hmm. my, my family's from all around that area, North uh, Shepherd and Aubrey. So we're, yeah. we're venturing in the New South Wales. Some too. really cold, very boring places in my experience. Sorry, I know yes. your family's yeah. still there. Uh, you, you got to make your own fun sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's a beautiful part of the world, and uh, I do love going back there. Were you always a super competitive
0: kid? Because, I mean, you don't get to being the head trainer of a company like Jets if you're not you know, incredibly
1: driven. So were you a competitive kid? Yes and, and no. You know, I played sport. I played uh, AFL football, the superior code. Oh, God. Yes. Sorry. There goes half our audience. Yeah, and let the comments come in. <laughs> Next uh. thing we're going to, we'll really push the vaccine. Uh, and then <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, I played a lot of competitive sport as a team. I was never really into sports that that was just myself. And I think that was a bit like an, an integral part of becoming who I am today. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a big, one of my values is service and, and servicing the, the human race um, uh, in a number of ways. But in terms of competitiveness, I don't really consider myself a competitive person. I consider myself a driven person. Mm-hmm. And I think there is uh, a distinction in that. You, you, can be, you can be competitive in your own right and you can, you can want really good things for yourself, but it doesn't need to be so... Compared to other people. Correct. And, yeah. and, and outwardly focused. So you compete, but you compete with yourself. I do and the, which which I know people say a lot, mm. but it's it's a hard thing to sort of action sometimes unless you kinda of know where you've come from. Yeah. And so, um, played footy, played um played sports, um got into the arts, got into acting somehow. Yes. Which which is a really strange thing from a small country town to get into. Everyone just assumes you're gay. Yes. So <laughs> me, me and my best, I know, because yeah, I went through the same thing. <laughs> mate, it's awful. But me, me and my best mate, Jack, we were both into it. We're very similar. He's a shearer mm. um, uh, down in northeast Victoria. And they just said, yeah, because you do that, you're you gay. And, that, and that's that's how that's how you were labelled. But you're... Um quite an accomplished actor, a couple of starts, neighbours, that sort of stuff.
0: Am I right that you actually went to university, is it Ballarat? Yes. Yeah. Melbourne. To study acting. So there's, for those not in the know, in terms of acting, there's a handful of schools. There's the Whopper over in Western Australia. Mm. Um, there's the one in, in Melbourne. Which, which, university in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. And uh, of, Ballarat's got quite a good program uh-huh. as well. So to get into them and of course NIDA. And NIDA. Um, yeah. yeah. That's kind of elite acting mm. sort of stuff. If things had happen that we're about to talk about, you would probably be on the
1: trajectory of being a television actor, right? I think so. Yeah. I think I would. And it's funny how things happen and your perspective changes, mm-hmm. but... But yes, I, I came out of acting school, which is a, a very interesting time. You know, you spend a lot of time breaking down your voice and breaking down how you move mm. so that you can transform those um, those traits into something else on stage yeah. or on screen or whatever. And uh, and so I came out, I was lucky enough to get a pretty good agent uh, in Melbourne. And mm-hmm. so she uh, got me some pretty good gigs, opened the door for a number of things. I did a, a lot of stage shows. Um, I was uh, on an episode of the Dr. Blake Mysteries on oh, the ABC. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, uh, I, um, well, one of the highlights, uh, I still look back and sort of giggle, but it was actually quite cool. Was uh, I was on a couple of episodes of Neighbours um, back in the day too. Oh, so did you meet Toadie? I didn't meet Toadie, but I met Lou. We actually oh, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we got changed. Shut the to gate. Each other, wow. I know. So I saw Lou in a His number jocks. of... yeah, Yes. Yes. In, intimate. God, there's a number of
0: 80-year-old women who are <laughs> hating on you right now. But, well, what age is that? We've been 22. 22, and you're starting to get regular roles on stuff like Neighbours, you know, theatre, um, stage theatre, particularly in the big cities, pays huge money if you can get onto something that rolls. Were you physical back then? Because, like, right now, for those that don't know, if they want to Google you, quite an imposing... Figure, yes, from, at least from the uh, from the knees up. <laughs> that's
1: that's right. That's another story. <laughs> we'll um, get to that. Look, I I I discovered in my third year of university that there's there is a certain shallow part to being an actor, and you yeah. need to look a certain way to be to get a look at certain roles. Yeah. You want it to be Dean Guyer. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't yeah. <you>? yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did. I think we all did. That yeah, at some who didn't? I Maybe mean, even did. Dean Guy wanted to be Dean Guyer at that stage. So, mate, yeah, I started exercising in my in my in my third year purely as a mechanism to look a certain way. And so, mm. you know, for for example, instead of getting roles that were you know a, a pretty generic romantic lead, all of a sudden I was being put up for roles like in um um what's that show? Spartan. It was a uh, it was on. Oh, this is Sparta. No, something like that. Yeah. So you were like a warrior type situation, yeah, which was. Awesome, yeah, and like, love that. Mate, and like, if you got that role, you know, shipped off to South Africa, yeah. three months training camp to get jacked, and then you're on the screen. Like, that's that's still your dream, I think. In a little, yeah, one, <laughs> day, <laughs> in a little one day, in a little way, put the feelers out, maybe, so, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get
0: there one day. So things are taking off, and I know from having a background in acting overseas and whatever else, you get a good agent, you get on a role, and mm. and you've got to make hay while well, the sun shines. You're 22, 23 at that point, world mm. at your feet, and it's hard not to get intoxicated by the fame and the fact that you're starting to look bigger and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, something starts happening with your neck. Mm.
1: When did you first start realising that something's wrong? It was on January 21st. Very accurate. Typical, Thank you. Typical uh, I, I remember exactly where I was. Does not go. miss a rep. I, uh, I was on a tram, number 16 tram in Melbourne, and I, I felt a lump growing on my neck. It was the last day of a, of a youth conference that I used to, I used to volunteer mm-hmm. for and, and still do love, Wilead. Um, and so I remember feeling that lump on the tram, and that's when I had my first anxiety attack because I thought it was something a bit more than just a... How big a lump are we talking? At the time, you know, the size of a marble Mm-hmm. But you, I could tell it was bigger, so I had a benign. But you could also tell that it wasn't meant to be there. Correct. So I always had a lump there, mm-hmm. but it was benign as far as, as as far as we know. But all of a sudden, it started growing, and so that's when that's not good. No, that's that's, that's what I said. <laughs> and uh, and the next thing you know, within the space of two months, this lump grew to the size of a baseball. So it was about whoa ten point two centimeters. In you diameter. had a tumor the size of a baseball on your neck. I did, and you, you can't you can't. Uh, you can't miss that. It was quite a not a pimple, is it? No. Even though I uh, did try to pop it, not a pimple. Most definitely so, not.
0: I was speaking to your wife, and there was apparently a bit of consternation as to whether or not to operate on it and whatever else, and you
1: absolutely jagged a lucky streak by mm. um, getting onto the right doctor. What happened there? First doctor I saw, um, just wanted to cut it out. He said, yep, yeah, let's, just, let's just get rid of it. Don't need a biopsy. Don't need to worry about that. But... The night before the operation, I got a call from his rooms saying that he's gone on a on a holiday or he's unavailable to Classic specialist behaviour. Yes, the night before, he's he's out of there. Yeah. And so at, at the moment, I was a bit annoyed, but in <laughs> hindsight now... <laughs> I mean, he was scheduled to operate <laughs> on your tumour, the size of a baseball, on your neck the next morning. You're entitled to be upset with him, but... Yes. Angry on the inside. In the end, that turned out to be probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Yeah. Why was that? Well, if we didn't know it was a cancer at that point. We just thought it was a lump. And if we had have just cut it out without taking what's called a margin or, or taking care of the, the cancer cells that might be around um, the tumor, it's very easy for them to proliferate and, and spread. And Yeah, you need to get everything plus. Oh, yeah. More. A wide margin. Yeah. And so if they had just taken it out, it would have very, very quickly uh, moved to my lungs. And then once they're in the lungs, it's... Uh, it's Good a hard rain Yeah, absolutely. So, so we very much I dodged
0: a bullet. How how much do you draw from that in your training and
1: your day to day life now? A lot. But as you mentioned at the top of this podcast, it's I, I find it hard to, to give myself praise and, and, and to take praise. And so my sure. my motivation is always always comes from other people. It always comes Extrinsically, I'll always work harder if there's someone working next to me. I see that even not just in, like, not in physical exertion. It was like,
0: I, I really, one of the things that kept me so engaged in the dad bod squad stuff um, was our partnership. Mm-hmm. And it's purely, I think, because... I could see every time I lifted, you lifted with me. Like you were really almost getting off
1: on the competition of how much I was enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it, it, takes, it takes, as a trainer, it takes a long time to sort of develop that, that yeah. awareness. But you, for example, if I just said move, yeah. you'd, you'd move. If I said, I want you to move, at this pace within this time and give you something a bit more tangible to work towards, all of a sudden that goes up a notch. But you wouldn't have that motivation if Mm. the metric wasn't there. put markers in it. Correct. Don't tell my boss that
0: because he's still trying to get me to keep my talk breaks under five minutes on the show. So uh, (laughs) we'll say I can't work (laughs) with it. Good
1: luck with that.
0: So you've got this cancer. Uh Uh-huh. Right, starts mm. off as something you find on the, the tram, size of a marble. Mm. Two weeks, it's the size of a baseball. Mm-hmm. First doctor says, don't worry about it, it's nothing, mate. Just get it out. Luckily, he takes the day off, because he's a dickhead, mm-hmm. um, on, on the morning of your operation. The other doctors
1: then realise... This is legit. Can mm-hmm. you remember that conversation? I do. I, I, I remember it vividly. I was with um, my ex-partner at the time, mm-hmm. and we're in a room. Uh, the doctor was trying to... He obviously does it all the time, but they have a very, a very systematic process on telling someone that they have something pretty bad. Please sit down. Yes, that's right. Sit down. Take a seat. <sighs> Look... And so halfway through that speech, someone came rushing into the room saying, oh, is this room taken? Oh, that's okay. And then she left and he goes, oh, you have cancer. <laughs> so I rem- remember that time very, very vividly because in a way it lightened. It's kind of the best way to do yes, it though, right? absolutely. And part of me thinks maybe maybe they orchestrated that. Maybe that yes. was how they were supposed to do it. Uh, if I
0: ever get cancer, I want to be told by a clown. Yes. So um, that <laughs> I think that just makes things that, super oh, easier. It says a lot about you as well, man. Let's talk... Treatment. Yeah.
1: So they take that out of your neck. Mm-hmm. So they take it, think of it like a, you know, a short rib. I cooked one yeah. the other night. I yeah. sent you a photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they took, they took the tumor from my jaw like that. So they had to take a margin. So they took, I think it was 11 centimeters of my jaw. So with that comes the teeth, um, the throat, a bit of my tongue. And so they took out that whole chunk like, like a short rib. And that's what causes a slight misalignment in your jaw. Absolutely. And so it's, which is you know, progressively getting worse as muscles develop. It's like having an imbalance. If one leg's stronger than the oh, other. I know that. Yeah, you know all about that. <laughs> Hashtag cerebral palsy. Um, yeah. But there was, there was a moment then, this is, this is the thing I remember very vividly. It was, there was, I think it was 24 to 48 hours where they said, look, the mar- we need to take a wide margin. Mm-hmm. And the part of that means we're going to have to remove your voice box. <gasps> You're an so, actor. Yes. So I spent the last three years developing my voice, finding resonance, learning how to articulate text. And all of a sudden this doctor said, look, we're going to need to take that away. And so for the, I remember this for the next 24, 48 hours, however long it was, I wrote. I, I wrote down every single thing I wanted to say because I was essentially writing my last word. Yeah, you
0: were right. You had a word count. And
1: Absolutely. And then what sort of stuff was on that? Mate, I can't remember. It was something really cheesy. At, yeah. at, look, at at the time I was, you know, I was 23. I was pretty confident in myself. I was, you know, being an actor, I was, I was physically active. I was, I had that, that, that youthful ignorance. And I, I think it was something like you can take away my voice, but you can't take away my, my, my freedom. Soul. Cause yeah. you just watched um, Braveheart. You know, it. Yeah, yeah. um, Something like that. But once they said, look, we don't need to take it, thank God, <gasps> I, I, threw that, I threw that book away. And,
0: I mean, people, like, for relief to me is you've been holding onto a wee for 20 minutes and the meeting ends and you get to go mm-hmm. to the toilet. How's the relief in that moment
1: where it's, it's, you, you'll it's, actually be able to speak? It's huge. Yeah. Uh, it's, so the time when they said, you've got cancer, and the time they said we need to operate was about seven days, and in those yeah. seven days I didn't sleep. Yeah, that whole time was just, so I was worried that something would happen. You know, this thing's still in me. I know it's very aggressive and every second longer that it's in me is a second. It's growing in further yes, into your body.
0: Absolutely. And look, the nerve sheath cancer, which is what it is, mm. right? Um,
1: that has essentially deteriorated the lower half of your body or below the knee? So it's a bit a bit convoluted. Yep. So at the time, they the doctors thought I had a condition called neurofibromatosis, and that's what was affecting my nerves below my knees. But I've, I've recently saw a new geneticist, and uh, he thinks I actually get the results at 3 p.m. this afternoon. Oh, and you just came in for a chat? <laughs> Thanks, mate. But you he you thinks... say
0: to him, can you do it outside of 3 to 6
1: because I listen to Ellie and Bex? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to miss under the pump kids, Okay. No. <laughs> Next, okay, time. <laughs> yeah. Next time. Next yeah, time. Um, so he thinks I have a condition called Charcot-Marie-Tooth, which when which, CMT, Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, which is a long a long term. But it just means a neuropathy in my legs. So I know that below my knees have become less and less active yes. and have been atrophying over the last... And this is for a guy who trains... Religiously, correct, and so they're they're getting weaker, and so you know movements now feel a lot harder than they used to. A deadlift mm. and overhead press, particularly, I've got no no balance. One legged movements are becoming almost impossible. I'm just I'm I'm losing that peripheral nerve function, and the way the disease works is it eventually gets to a point in some where you know they're gonna have to either you know amputate or um or, or put them in a wheelchair or or something. So like. so so you were an actor mm. who had. Half his jaw removed, and
0: at one point was told he wouldn't be able to speak. And now you're a trainer
1: whose legs won't work in the future. Mm. Which is shit. You, you, yeah. It's, I'm still dealing with it, obviously, but yeah. it's, it's, you're entitled to. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been living with it for for 10 years. And so I, I've known in in my mind that they're, they're getting worse. There's going to come a point where they won't work again. Yeah,
0: we're going wheelchair
1: shopping together. We've <laughs> yeah, discussed this. We have. You
0: know?
1: <laughs> my CP finally
0: ruins my body and, and you have that. Hey, listen, let's talk about something yeah. a little bit lighter, uh-huh. brighter, lovelier. Mm. 2015, you're leading a a group session at the gym. Mm. You notice a lovely <laughs> blonde lady. Yes. Take us through that because I want to tell you this. I'm talking about your... your uh, hopefully soon to be wife of her, your fiance mm-hmm. Jane. Yes. And she says, and I quote, meeting you was like being struck by lightning. It's pretty hard. So your description of the event
1: must must be pretty good, it, mate. It was, it was, it's not that good. <laughs> I'd, Raised I'd, by lightning. Yeah, near lightning. <laughs> yeah, Yes. in the vicinity. Mate, look, I take my job pretty seriously and, and did yeah. back then too. So every time I saw someone's movement pattern or someone on the floor. Oh, I know. They were exactly that. Yeah. You know, they weren't anything more than someone I could help with yeah. their health and fitness.
0: Which is part of your professionalism because you don't objectify people.
1: I've seen it. You no. Are, you're just there to help people move better. And and I'm very proud of that. And yeah, so at no point at this, in, in this group exercise class or, or the subsequent training sessions Jane and I had together did I think um, anything ro- romantic about her mm-hmm. until I was in hospital one day, had a follow-up infection of my jaw. Yeah, because that's your life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it was for a very long time. And Jane came in and she had, it um, uh, must have been a two or three litre container of pumpkin soup mm. that she made. And at that point I went... Wife material. Okay. <laughs> I, I see what's going and she's on. she's been here. feeding people ever since. I can totally <laughs> yes. uh, vouch for that. Yeah, she has. A remarkable woman. She is. She is um, I consider myself very lucky to, to have even met her, let alone call her my, my fiance. And uh, don't worry, I'll do you a cheap rate to MC the wedding. Now, something mm. that a lot of people would find tough
0: to talk about, and I know it's not an easy conversation for you mm. to have. This weekend is a, a very special occasion mm-hmm. named after a very special little man. Mm-hmm. When I refer to you, I call you a father because mm. I believe that you are. I don't believe that you were, but that's just me. Take us back to when Jane's pregnant mm. and knowing you, you'd be excited as hell to be having a, mm-hmm. a little boy. And then, yet again, another doctor says to you, uh
1: oh, mm. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. It was the 20 week scan, which I know you and Lisa had. Yeah, we just had. <laughs> just a few weeks oh, ago. As I was on my way out the door to go and get
0: it, you were like, oh, that's when we found out we had trouble <laughs> with Aurelia. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We're good. <laughs> we, um, yeah, I remember pretty vividly the, the radiologist ultrasoundologist, mm-hmm. ultrasound expert, was, was, was quite young and, mm-hmm. and new. And obviously she hasn't had um, instances where she sees things on the ultrasound that aren't meant to be. Yeah. And so there was a, a lack of ambiotic fluid, which isn't a good sign at, at no. 20 weeks. And so she said, look, there's, look, there's some things I'm not, not quite sure about. Let me go um, see my manager or my boss. Which is the worst feeling. It is. And then they can't tell us the results. So they simply do do the scan, and then we have to go back to our oncologist yep. to, to to decipher the scan. So we knew there was a lack of ambiotic fluid, and we knew something was uh, was wrong at that time. And Twenty weeks is a long way in. It is, and we're getting used to the idea of that he was uh, he was going to be with us for the rest of our lives. But then you're buying shit. People are you yeah. telling people you're showing it? Twenty weeks. We are absolutely. Yeah, And so we told everyone, everyone knew, and that and that's, that was one of the hardest parts. Yeah. And then we so we had a choice, essentially, and the choice was we could end his journey now and uh, and save a bit of pain and a, a bit of heartache, or we could see the journey through. You know, there is that tiny little slim... There's a good miracle baby, and why don't you Absolutely. deserve a bloody miracle baby? You've freaking had cancer. And we wanted, we wanted to have that chance. And you have tried so hard to have a child. mm It's your choice. It is. And so we we wanted to see the journey through. And I've always considered myself a very lucky person. Um, And I've always thought that luck is preparation, meeting opportunity, like like the quote Mm. says. Yeah. And if luck was to prevail... You had to be in the fight. Take your time. (sighs) And I'm glad we did. Yeah. We are. So... He did arrive. He did. The expectations from the doctors were low, because I think that's that's their job. But uh, he came out. He took breath. We heard him cry. And we got to meet him. Take a moment, mate.
0: I can't imagine what that was like. But one thing that just... Strikes everyone that meets you guys, my wife said it. You guys came over for dinner a couple of weeks back and there's photos of you guys together, and the little guy Aurelien's alive for half an hour. Mm. I mean that's the cold, hard facts of it. You guys just seemed so together. you didn't look like people who were obviously aware. you're very intelligent people. you knew what was happening. Mm.
1: Where does that strength come from? Not just you, but Jane. It, it it blows my mind. It comes from a number of ways. Jane is very pragmatic and I am not. So we, we, we complement. She's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we complement each other in, in a lot of ways, which is, I think, I think, why our bond is so strong. And so we were able to, from my side of things, block out what we needed to block out, but also consciously think about things that we needed to think about to get through this period. We had a nice balance of. Dealing with it by forgetting about on. it and pressing on. I think that's why you know we, we worked so well um, so well together and we we knew it was going to be hard and we played out all the situations within our head as, as much as we could. I suppose that the combination of, of of pragmatism and escapism came together yeah. in, in, a, in a, a, a beautiful union to, to get us through and that's that's where mate, we're, we're stronger together. As, as a human race, we are—we uh, can do so much alone, but we can do so much more together.
0: Yeah. Nothing, um, in my experience as well, strengthens a partnership like losing a mm-hmm. child. Because you, I know for, for us, it was this situation where initially we disagreed on what avenue we should take. And I'm sure you guys had the, should we keep, should we mm-hmm. keep, et cetera. And then I just clicked into, well, I need to do whatever mm-hmm. it is to keep my wife strong and happy. And in the end... That's always going to be the right decision. Absolutely. Because, you know, we don't talk about it often and we're mm. bloody blessed beyond belief. We're not religious, but we're blessed beyond belief mm. to be hopefully welcoming a healthy boy in January. But after that, you just, you can't go through worse. Mm. So That's right. So it's only up. If you're, if you're still together post that, it's, it's only up. You're right. He was a very special little boy. I never met him, but in some ways I think about him often. Mm. Um, this weekend, and for anyone listening post the release of this, um, we're talking about the end of October mm-hmm. and it'll be happening next year as well. Mm-hmm. You've come up with a unique way, a very trainer way,
1: of honouring your son's memory. Yes. When what am I doing Sunday morning? You're doing a, well. You're doing a workout f- f- first and foremost. We created a workout in Aurelian's honor, so it's called Aurelian's workout. All the reps um, and and exercises are put together to be a representative, uh, mm. a representation of what he went through. So the workout is very hard on the lungs. It's hard on the entire body, but specifically hard on the lungs because we know that's that's what got him in the end. And it's funny; he has Aurelian has this knack of just of popping up in this workout in particular but also at very odd times when you're under duress just to give you that little bit more that little bit more a little bit of it's okay yeah absolutely yeah. and and that's what's special about it and we want to share that feeling and share that legacy with other people and being a trainer and being in, in the very fortunate position I have now with, with the Jets Network is that we can Share this feeling and this concept with a wide number of, of people. You so know.
0: anyone can come down this weekend?
1: Anyone can come down, absolutely, and uh, and give the work out a crack. It'll be um, a lot of fun. It involves... Uh, Every time you say that to me, it's absolute bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> the greatest respect of what we're talking
0: about right now... Every time you told me it'll be fun, it's never been fun. But it, it'll, it's, it, it'll. I think it'll be emotionally fulfilling because you know it why you're be, doing it.
1: No, oh, absolutely. And when, and when you cross that finish line, it's a, it's, it's, it's something different to then if you just stop the treadmill in the gym. Yeah, it's you're you're doing it for for. A different what are the reason. numbers? Take me through it. All right, you ready? Yeah, I know, I know it's not <laughs> uh, yeah, easy. Yeah, no, but but remember, hard through. on the lungs. So it's yeah. thirty-six deadlifts. So he he made it to thirty-six weeks. Uh, eleven shoulder to overheads, which could be a strict press or a push press or a push jerk, so just from your shoulder to an mm-hmm. overhead position. Um for uh for being born at eleven forty eight A.m. thirty one calories on an erg of choice, there will be a Rower. Yes. Good luck. Um uh for his birth date, uh mm-hmm. ten uh one plus ten plus, plus twenty. And then followed by a sixteen hundred meter run which is representative of the weight he came out, 1,600 grams. And we do that twice. So it's it's tough on the lungs because all of a sudden you're, you're fatiguing muscles before you hit the erg, which fatigues the lungs before you hit the run. So yep. there's no point when you transition exercise that you feel comfortable mm-hmm. until you sort of hit aerobic energy system on that run, but then you've got to do it again. So it's um, it's pretty hefty, the the, what we try to achieve is when we hit the erg, which is either the air bike or or the roller, right. is we try and get those calories done in under ninety seconds. So look, this is a workout challenge. Could, this is a workout that you could do. You could say, I'm going to do this over an hour. Yeah, and you could time. you could just do it. But so
0: if you've got a decent level of fitness, uh, if you want a good start to your Sunday, we're going to be uh, David low Where,
1: Whereabouts? We are. It's the the North Shore Jets AFL Oval. Yeah. On David Loway, It's near the airport. Very, very easy to find. We're
0: working out from seven through till nine. CFM's putting on a barbecue as well. So we'll put on breakfast um, and you get to eat it afterwards, because if you ate it beforehand, you might see it again.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that would be That's my correct. question.
0: Bartholomew Walsh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think one of the greatest things to come out of the Dab Bod Squad, uh, if I'm if I'm selfish, is uh, the friendship that I have with you as a, as a trainer and as a bloke. Your story amazes me. That's the reason I dragged you into this studio. Your wife's a superstar. I'm gonna, still going to hate you a little this weekend, mm. if that's okay. That's okay. That's all that's right. Okay. Thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it.